So the good news is that tomorrow the Twins baseball from New York is tomorrow, and at 12.30 there's a pregame, 105 first pitch. And why do I say that's a good news? Because today our Twins lost, but that's okay. Um, the Vikings lost as well uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, and so stay tuned tomorrow for the Twins baseball from New York. Uh, that's going to happen tomorrow at 12.30 pregame show. Well, I'm excited to introduce to you and or either um, many of you have heard him on WCCO over you know, a couple of decades. And so Dan Butner is his name. Why are we talking to him? Well, we wonder, what is the secret to living a long, fulfilling life? Well, it might not be a secret, a secret at all. Years of researching the world's longest living populations have revealed common threads from lifestyle habits to environmental surroundings. Our friend, researcher, author, and explorer, Dan Butner's request or his quest to discover longevity hotspots began more than 15 years ago and has been chronicled through the years on WCCO Radio. Now, he identified five places where people live the longest and are healthiest. Okinawa, Japan. Sardinia, Italy. Nicoya, Costa Rica. Icaria, Greece. And Loma Linda in California. Now, these are dubbed the Blue Zones, and their lifestyle habits are now providing a blueprint for improving health in the United States. Now, Dan has teamed up with other scientists to develop the Blue Zone communities. The initiative is in 61 U.S. communities, although hundreds more have applied. Is this the wave of the future? That's the big question. And he joins us right now. Hey, Dan. Well, it's a delight to be back. I feel like I've kind of touched home base here. <laughs> You've come back to your roots. <laughs> I really have. You know, before I ever did Blue Zones, and I'm talking like 30 years ago, I biked from Alaska to Argentina. I biked around the world. I biked across Africa. And every single Wednesday morning, I called WCCO. And this every is back morning. to Dave Boone and Erickson and then Dave Lee. And, and uh, so it's always been not only a good neighbor, but home base. How about that? We sure hope that you will keep in touch with us. As we can see, you're still researching this, getting new information. Tell us more about where you are today. You've come such a long way. What has surprised you? Well, the big insight, you know, in America, we think we're going to, we, we think we get healthier by, by pursuing a diet or an exercise program or nutrients or supplements or something like that. But in these places around the world, the so-called blue zones, where people are actually achieving the outcomes we want, they're making it to age 95 without diabetes, cancer, and heart disease, and dementia, uh, and they're, doing, they're not even trying. And the big insight is that longevity ensues, or in other words, longevity follows you if you set up your life the right way. And based on that insight, as you point out, we've been working with 61 American cities. We started actually right here in, in Minnesota with Albert Lee, Minnesota, 11 years ago. And over the course of our time with them, we were able to add about three years of life expectancy to the average Albert Lee citizen. Uh, we've helped them shave about two tons off their waist, waistline. But where the rubber really hits the road is we help save them about 30% off of their health care bill. And when news of that got out, it really became a, a, a nationwide phenomenon, which we work on until the, to this day. 
Yeah, if you can save people money, then they want to hear from you, right? The bottom line, though, is some people have really worked their lives, their entire lives to stay healthy. And still, I had an uncle who was the healthiest in my father's family out of all the siblings. And he died before many that have diabetes or severely obese, you name it. He died before them. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. Is it the food? Is it, I mean, he exercised. He ate 70% raw, 30% cooked. This man did everything to not get cancer, yet he's the one that came down with the cancer. Um, and so a lot of people are asking the question, is it really about food or is it also about exercise, where you live, the type of dirt and soil that you have, the type of water that you have? There's so many things that make whether we are living better or not true or not. So, so here are the true facts. So the average maximum life expectancy of, of the human species my body, your body, everybody that's listening right now, if you're living in the first in the developed world and you do everything right, you should be able to make it to about age 93 or 94. But uh, our life expectancy right now is about 80. So we're leaving about 14 years on the table. And, you know, lots of different scientists and doctors and charlatans, uh, they come up with their own different advice. Uh, I think there's so many news stories and many of the scientific studies refute themselves. It's hard to know exactly what works. I'm not sure what your uncle was doing, but there's a chance he was misguided. You know, he's getting the wrong information. But also, there is a genetic component. About 20% of how long you live is dictated by your genes. And he just might have gotten unlucky with a bad set of genes. But if you have an average set of genes and you do the right things, you should be able to make it into your 90s without any major chronic disease. That's a remarkable statement. <laughs> it's really remarkable. So if we, if we can, if we know what our history is, if we know more about our genome, would that help us to decide what to do, how to do it? Not, uh, maybe a little bit in the case of diseases, but you know, I'm just a big fan of if, if, you, if we know what the world's longest lived people were doing and we follow that, you stack the deck in favor of, of living a long, healthy life. So what are the world's longest lived people doing? Well, first of all, they're eating a, a, a mostly whole food, plant-based diet. They're only eating meat about five times a month. Uh, the pillars of every longevity diet in the world are whole grains, greens, Tubers, like sweet potatoes or even regular potatoes, nuts. If you're eating about a handful of nuts a day, and this is an easy thing for, for people to do, handful of nuts a day, your life expectancy goes up by about two years. And then the cornerstone of every longevity diet in the world is beans. And if you're eating about a cup of beans a day, it's probably adding about four years to your life expectancy. So wow. though, eating the right diet... Avoiding meat, sugar, processed foods, cheese. I hate to say that because I know Midwest, we're big on meat and cheese. But the more you can minimize those foods, the, the better chance you'll have at, at not developing a disease. If you're eating meat more than about once a day, your chances of diabetes and heart disease about triple over somebody who is vegetarian. So, wow. Uh, it's a tough thing to do. You know, especially if you go to the Minnesota State Fair or, or but um, 
you know, if you want those years, it's, uh, it's within reach. So you studied these five countries or these five places for a while, and now you are this new initiative. It's, it's in 61 U.S. communities. Are we finding those communities? You talked about Albert Lee. And as you go across the country, are you finding that they only, you, you can actually see a difference or they can see a difference in what's happening to them early on? It doesn't take like five years to do it. It may take a month to see a difference. You'll see, you'll see some impact within the first year, but the reality is it takes five years. So our approach, our, our most successful community to date is Fort Worth, Texas, about a million people. We managed to lower their obesity rate by about 4% and lower their smoking rate by about 3%, which says what well, you might say big deal, but that's saving that, that community about a quarter of a billion dollars a year in healthcare costs. So there's really a lot of money on the table here and a lot of years of life that we're talking about. But our approach is we come into the city with three, with a staff of people. We had a staff of about 35 people. And within that staff, we have a squad that works with the city to adopt policies that favor healthy food over junk food, that favor the pedestrian over the motorist, and favor the non-smoker over the smoker. And that's really where we can make the biggest difference. Um, for example, if you live in a neighborhood where there are more than six fast food restaurants uh, within a half mile of your home, you're about 30% more likely to be obese than if you live in a neighborhood where there are fewer than three fast food restaurants. So we're not going to come into that neighborhood and try to hound everybody in that neighborhood not to load up on burgers and fries, but we are going to come and we're going to try to change the code so people aren't constantly tempted by cheap, unhealthy calories. That's what... Same thing with exercise. You know, only about 15% of Americans get the minimum amount of physical activity, which is just 45 minutes a day of just mm-hmm. walking. But if we can come into a city uh, and make sure that there are safe sidewalks, bike lanes, parks that are cleaned up, we can raise the physical activity level of the whole city by about 20% just because it's easy for people to move around, it's easy and safe to move around. So again, we're not going to come pester people to do CrossFit or do burpees. We're just going to make it easy for them to get to their favorite place to walk to their favorite coffee shop or walk to work or uh, make it easier for kids to walk to school. And that's the approach we take, and that's, that really works. It's, it's plucking off the low-hanging fruit. Lots of cities are just tired of seeing their young people uh, obese. 70% of Americans are obese or overweight. And, you know, oddly enough, the most conservative communities in America are the ones signing up for this. You know, I thought it was going to be the liberal Berkeleys and Boulders of the, of the country, but actually it's the, the Fort Worth and the Naples, Florida, that are, are signing up. Because the, uh, in those communities, we find that the business community and the local government work really well together. And the only way we can execute on these programs is having that sort of handshake between public and private. Well, I don't, I don't mean to ask this question one more time, but I want to make sure that I get clarity because where you were 15 years ago and where it is today here in our own country, you've really learned so much. I'm just, I have to ask one more time for clarity. If it's genetically modified, if you're eating fruit and vegetables every day, but it's genetically modified, are we adversely affected by some of that? No. I wouldn't worry about that. 
And, and, and by the way, if you're worried about genetically modified uh, food, you know, most of the grain that pigs and cows eat, the soybeans and corn, that's almost all genetically modified. And it takes 11 pounds of grain to produce one pound of beef. So, you know, one pound of beef represents 110 pounds of grain, and you have the, all the concentration. So if there is something uh, nefarious about genetically modified foods, you're getting super high concentrations of it by eating meat. I would rather have people thinking about eating whole food plant-based. And by the way, for poor people say, well, I don't have the money to shop at Whole Foods or buy fresh produce. You know, if, if you're just eating beans and rice or beans and corn tortilla, when you, when you combine a bean and a grain, that's a whole protein. People don't realize that. So you can get about 95% of all of the, nutri- of the important mac- macronutrients you get by just beans and grains, um, pasta and beans, for example. It's ideal. And if you want to spend a little bit of money, you can buy organic and non-GMO beans and grain. So it's within the financial reach of all of us to eat healthily. Right, and of course the community gardens have really helped in so many communities all over the country. That has been quite rewarding to see and to be able to go and be a part of it. Yes. You know, I think the the runway uh, for uh, thinking about eating better, living longer, feeling better, uh, is starting with a few whole food, plant-based recipes that you like, that you, you're you, easy for your family to get the ingredients, make it together, and you find a half a dozen that you find delicious. And nobody has to hound you anymore. Uh, you don't have to think about it. It's not a chore. You know, I make this minestrone that I learned. In Sardinia, I found the longest lived family in the history of the world. Nine siblings, collective age, 841 years they had the same minestrone soup every day of their life. It was beans and tomatoes, onions, garlic, celery. It wasn't expensive. They make a huge pot, about 75 cents a serving it costs. They eat that every I, By the way, I eat that every morning for breakfast instead of cereal or bacon and eggs. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm 15 years younger than my, the age of my license would suggest. Amazing. It's so. I, I have to say thank you for all of the work that you have done, sir. I know it may seem at times by looking at all of us on the streets who are you know, overweight or obese, I'm sure it's frustrating to see it when you know that something can be done about it. But be encouraged because people are listening. They are watching. You know, we, we change. We get uh, distracted so often away from the things that we really need to know about. But I do know there are people still talking about your work, still talking about your research, and I know that if we just keep going, it'll get to all communities. And hopefully these fast food places will, will have to move out of certain areas um, so that people can live healthy. We have to make that decision. And it's not an easy decision to make when you've been doing it for years. You know, when I see somebody overweight, in fact, if you're listening right now and you're overweight, unhealthy, it's probably not your fault. The rate of obesity since 1980 has more gone up by a rate of uh, collective rate of three. The rate of diabetes has gone up by, in a, by a factor of seven. And that's not because we're undisciplined people. It's our environment that has changed. I have a book coming out in December called The Blue Zones Challenge. If, if you go to Google and put in Blue Zones Challenge, you'll see it. But that shows you how to shape your immediate surroundings 
so that the healthy choice is easy so that you can benefit from these blue zones insights without having to think about it every day. So there are solutions out there and, um, you know, and the solution is not feeling guilty and the solution is not self blame. Well, Dan Butner, it is always a pleasure to have you on here at WCCO, no matter who you're talking with, because you are giving us insight <laughs> into how we can be better immediately. So thank you for all the work that you've done, and I hope that it will continue until you are no longer here and we expect it to be in your hundreds. So <laughs> 102, let's say 102, 107 years old. That would be awesome. <laughs> I love Dan, you guys. Thank you so much, and happy, happy Sunday. Thank you, sir. You take care. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. That's Dan Butner. And again, he said, go to, and I want to make sure I get this right, Blue Zones Challenge. Go to Blue Zones Challenge and see if it's something you can do one day at a time. I'm going to try it, Jonathan. I know I've been really eating a lot of salads. Um, I started this about two months ago, and I've been trying to do two salads for two of my meals during the day. And it's not easy to stay off of sweets and the things that you're used to. Today I had two bananas. Um, I had a beautiful salad the other night. I bought my mother a salad today and yesterday. And I'm just hoping that I will get back into just doing the salads as well as um, fish, you know, really light fish. And like he said, nuts and, you know, those seeds would be great and <laughs> You know, it seems simple from him, but for the rest of us, it's really a challenge. And like he said, don't blame yourself. A lot of times it's your environment, but at least let's try. We can try, that's for sure. I've lost 17 pounds. Whoa, Geraldine, way to go, honey. Way to go. All right, we're going to take a break and come back with some um, weather in a moment. What? What? What do you do? That's the big question that we like to ask on a Sunday night here on Steel Talking. We do this segment because we try to find places that exist and we don't have any idea what they do. I've seen it. I've gone into the Fauchet building and found ambassadors. I've been at, uh, you know, these small industrial parks and you find names and you wonder what in the world do they do? So why would an on-the-go mom with a job where everyone knows her name give it all up to open a business? Well, our guest tonight, uh, many people know her in the media. Uh, her name is Jora Bart, and she from um, she is a, a PR person. She's been in this role for a long time at the Excel Energy Center. There's hardly anybody that doesn't know her. She's done sporting events, concerts, conventions, and, and all of these were things that she enjoyed. But she has one thing in mind right now. She's decided to change and do what she feels like she should be doing, and it's music. This week, her dream became a reality as she opened a school of rock in Plymouth and Medina area. Welcome, Jora Bart. So glad to have you join us. Tell us the process of how you arrived at changing your profession from PR person to music. Well, hello. First of all, thank you for having me. This is a true joy, like being on the other side of the phone. I'm usually the one booking the interviews, so this is just right. a riot. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so I have been with the Excel Energy Center for 20 years. I started on the hockey side and worked there for about five, moved to Hong Kong for a year, came back, and then I focused on the concert side of the business and worked with the local media for the last 14 years, promoting all the concerts that came through the arena. And... Um, what really changed my trajectory, I would say, are the three little people getting tucked in right now at our house <laughs> that I'm hiding from. <laughs> um, I, I started in sports and entertainment in my early 20s when I was footloose and fancy free. And 
you know, grew as a leader, grew as a person, and then, you know, got married, had a baby, had a second baby. Um, it was after I had my, my third baby, I was up in the middle of the night and just contemplating life like you do on those moments. And I thought, I really want to be more present for my family. And how am I going to make that work? And so I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I came from a family business that I worked at since I was eight years old. And so I just started Googling franchises and School of Rock kept coming up as highest rated by customers, highest rated by franchise owners. And so I, the more I looked into it, I was like, this is the perfect fit for me. Like, how have I never heard of this before? Like, this is everything I'm passionate about. It's music and it's bringing music to people and it's working with, with kids and working with adults and really spreading the joy of music in the community, which is what I did at Excel Energy Center. And so, yeah, like, you know, uh, after the pandemic hit, probably a few months later, I decided to take the leap, which I think is like one of the craziest things too. When I was, you know, working on getting my small business loan, the banks are like, we're trying to help people stay afloat. You want to start a business right now? And I'm like, yes. And let me tell you all the reasons why it's going to be great because it's the publicist in me, you know? Well, you know, we've had some people on this uh, during this So What Do You Do hour or half hour, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing how many have jumped in just like you did during the pandemic. They said, you know what? If there's any chance I'm going to do it, I better go now because if I can succeed during a pandemic, then I'm on my way to great success. (laughs) And when I go go ahead. Yeah, and I think that's it gives you perspective, too, because in sports and entertainment, it's a lot of nights and weekends. People always say, like, as you were reading my introduction, I'm like, yeah, why did I leave? That sounds really great. (laughs) You know, like, I I got to see over 300 concerts through the last 14 years, and they were phenomenal. But I also had over 300 nights away from my friends and family and loved ones. And so it is a, a give and take where you're giving a lot to be in this role and um, I got to a point where I, I felt like I've seen a lot of great bands and I've met a lot of really interesting people and I've seen a lot of things that people would never believe, you know, and I think I'm ready for that next big adventure in my life. And really owning my own business has just been the most fulfilling thing that I've ever been a part of. And I, like I said, as everybody's hearing, I'm a publicist, but I'm able now, I've been able to work in with architects and work with construction companies and work with the corporate school of rock to get my business up and running. And so all of those things that were like really out of my wheelhouse, I was able to like dig into and really enjoy. And now that it's open, now I'm even more stoked because this is the time where I get to like actually use my skill set and promote it to the masses and, and tell people all about what school of rock is and how it can change their life and, and, um, how great it is for the community too. It must have been really interesting for you to hear from corporate how many locations there are. They're all over the world. I think it's like in, yeah. it's, it's all over the world. And here in America, uh, in Minnesota, we only have like three locations. Is this the fourth one that's being open now that you opened? No. So very interesting, actually. So it started 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And Minnesota actually has the third school of rock ever created, which is amazing. Like the Stacy. Marmalejo, who opened that one, really had some guts to, like, take a a risk at that point. I actually am the 300th school to open. 300th in Minnesota? 
three, no, the three hundredth across the world. Oh, all across the world. Okay, got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's the third in Minnesota. So there's one in Eden Prairie, and then one right. in St. Paul, and then right. we're located in Plymouth. Plymouth, right? And does it all? You also service Medina or Medina? I forget how it's pronounced. Yep, so we're right um, in Medina, so it's by Wyzetta High School. We service oh, all yeah. the communities out in the western suburbs, so Maple Grove, you know, Hopkins, Minnetonka. So you always knew that music was something you wanted to introduce to your children. You were always hopeful, I'm sure, watching how so many people are changed by music. How has it changed you? You always wanted this, or you just thought, if there's anything I'm going to do, it's going to have to do, have to do with um, music and my children. Is that, was that the premise of you doing this? Well, interestingly enough, I'm not a musician. I'm just super passionate about music. I have always loved music, and I'm that person who tried to play in the band, but then I really joined the flag corps and I tried to sing in choir and my sisters would laugh at me a little bit. But in my early 20s, I got into managing bands and my Mm -hmm. husband was in a band that I was managing. So I've always been on the promotion side of music and then into Excel Energy Center years. But then um, as I transitioned into School of Rock, I mean, it's my opportunity to partner with my husband, who is a musician, to like really help me bring music to other people. And what's interesting about School of Rock is that it's not your typical music lesson. Like we give people private lessons, but then right away we put them into a band and their band rehearses together. And then every four months, our bands put on like real rock shows out in the community at real rock venues. Exactly. For for (laughs) folks, it's a real, it's a real joy. And for me, what was really interesting is that how many adults I came across in this process that are really excited about it. My first student that signed up was a 56 year old man that had always wanted to be the lead singer in a band. And he's in the band now with my dad who's playing guitar. And we just had a woman stop in this week who her son moved away and left his drum set at home. And she said, Hey, it's here. And I've always wanted to play. I think I'd like to do it. So she joined the band this week, too. That is so awesome. You know, music is the healing. It's the healing part. It really is. It's one of those things that gets down into your soul, and it keeps messing with you until you you say, okay, okay, I'm going for it. So if there was one instrument you could play, what would it be? Well, funny enough, I took my first drum lesson this week (laughs) because we wanted to give our, our teachers the opportunity to practice on, you know, do a mock lesson. So I brought in my two sisters, my dad, my father-in-law, my husband, and myself, and I said, give us a lesson and then bring us together as a band. And I, I thought I was pretty bad. They, w- they were very kind to me, and we were learning satisfaction. But then when, oh, we, yeah. went into that, when we went into the band rehearsal, and my dad pulled out the guitar and did... Right? I couldn't believe it. My jaw dropped, and all of a sudden, I'm doing the the bass drum, and then I start the snare, and I don't know where it's coming from, and we sound like a band, and we were just floored. And that's when I knew this is the right thing. Like, this program is so awesome and just brings such joy to people, right? Right. Okay, so first of all, the students that will have access to you, they're very fortunate. I mean, what you will be able to, the people you'll be able to reach out to, to bring in guests and all of that. I mean, it's really, it's it's amazing. And knowing that you have your own children, are you already looking forward to them starting at the School of Rock? So we do kids ages three and up. And so I also had my children do a mock lesson. And I said, if you can last through these kids, 
you'll be fine with any students that come through the door. <laughs> Got so that right. They did wonderful, and they were just wild, but they had a blast, and now they're coming. They want to come back every week, so we're going to allow that. But I also wanted to mention, too, because I do feel like music is a privilege, and it isn't something that is always accessible to everybody. And so we're partnering with Minnesota After School Advanced, and it's a program that works with different arts and music programs to offer these um, services to people that might not necessarily be able to do it on their own. So right. people can look into that and partner with that and come in and take some lessons with us too that way if it doesn't work um, on their own. One thing we've heard about here at This Nation and across the world is that uh, music helps the development of children. I know MacPhail has programs with that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's remarkable how children, it awakens you, it awakens your soul, and all of a sudden you can't stop mm-hmm. dancing, you can't stop wanting to do more and more. So as your children are growing and you say, hey, I want to make sure that they get introduced to the music, of course you're going to be, this is your franchise, you get a chance to mm-hmm. decide how it's going to go. How will you know when it's right and how will you know when it's not? We've actually had a lot of talks about this as we've done our hiring because we feel like it's a privilege to be able to offer not only a place for our instructors to come and share their talents, but for kids to come. Like we want it to be a really fun place and a safe place for them to be who they are because not everybody's going to be good at sports and not everybody's going to be good at academics, but we will create a space where people can come and find their place. If they haven't found their place somewhere else, like we will be your place that you can find your people. Like that's what we're all about is inclusivity and making people feel welcome. And that's really what we're going to hang our hat on and really being part of the fiber of the community of where we're at to it, which I think is unique with the three schools and my publicity background. Like right away, I'm like, we all need to work together to spread the word of like what we're doing because it's really incredible and it really can change our community. And so that's been super exciting for me too, just to have some collaboration to be able to spread that throughout the state of Minnesota and beyond. I mean, there's schools everywhere, wherever you're at. I know your program reaches a lot of people like there's a school of rock near you and you're never too young and you're never too old, you know, to, to go check it out. So what has been the biggest challenge for you opening a music school for children? I would say needing more time in the day. (laughs) Like I, you know, I learned a lot about architecture and I learned a lot about construction, uh, but the learning curve was pretty tough. But I would say what was cool is that school of rock was right there with me and uh, 376, 76 step process to get me from signing on to like opening my school. So they have thought of everything. But really, I think it's the challenge of time is that I want to do so much and there's only so much time in the day. But now we're open. I said I had to, like, pull it back a little bit and say, what do we need to be open? We need teachers. We need students. And we need a safe space to do it. So, like, all these other things we want to do, that'll all come. But, like, let's just start start small and give ourselves some grace and, and we'll get there. So that's been the challenge, I think, just reminding myself that you can't, come out guns a blazing and just be on top of the world. Cause I'm also used to working at a, you know, a world-class venue where we host national and international events. So like it felt like that times 10 kind of. Right. I can just imagine. So how will you know, and this is my final question, I promise. Um, how will you know that you have succeeded? I think 
For me, it's going to see be seeing. We have a a wall in our in our student lounge area that's modeled after First Ave because First Ave in Minneapolis. When someone plays the venue, they get to put their name on a star there. At our school, when you sign up to be a part of our school, we're going to take your Polaroid and put it on the wall. When I have a wall full of smiling faces and I know all those people and the the path that they have taken and how their life has changed because of School of Rock, that's when I'm going to know that we've we've succeeded and we've made a difference. Okay, so I lied. I'm sorry, I have another question. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, so um, now you have quite a few students, I'm sure. And are you expecting the school to grow? Or do you have a, a number where you say we can't do more than this? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say for our area, probably about 250 students. But then we have the opportunity to expand. So our, our next school, you know, in a few years, will probably be out in Maple Grove or maybe a little a little further west. So we're our our you know, we're on that trajectory and we're excited about it. We have over 250 people that want to come in for a free lesson. And now it's just a matter of me reaching out to them, finding some time to call them and get them scheduled. So, yeah, and of course, COVID protocols is a trip. I can imagine how difficult that can be with with all the things that you have to do. But I have faith in you, dear. I really think you are going to seriously get it done. It's going to be awesome. Uh, And if people want more information, where do they go? They go to schoolofrock.com. Plymouth slash Plymouth, I think. Uh, schoolofrock.com slash Plymouth? No. Well, if you go to School of Rock, it'll direct you to your nearest School of Rock. So wherever you're oh. at, it'll find the nearest one to you. All right. Schoolofrock.com it is. What a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much you too, for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And it's been a real pleasure. Blessings to you, dear. Blessings. You too. Thank you. All right, that was Jora Bart, and of course, again, I want to make sure you get this website. She said 250 uh, students so far that um, you know are really looking into that, and there's so many places. Just look online at schoolofrock.com. I think you'll be surprised at how many countries are involved, how many people in Minnesota, how many um, uh, areas in Minnesota versus um, Illinois or some of the other states. Please take a look at it because I was very, very surprised. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. It's quite amazing um, when you decide to completely change who you are, what you do, what you do for a living. And I have several people within my, within my circle that actually have done that, that have decided to go for it all, throw in the towel. Many of them during the pandemic, some of them way before the pandemic. But when someone makes up their mind to change what they're doing, it is quite remarkable to watch them unfold and open up and become someone better. Maybe it's a part of them that they knew existed but wasn't sure until they went for it. So for Jora Bart to join us tonight and tell her story, she was already a person who was fearless. You know when it comes to promoting bands and getting close to some of them and promoting sports, you know, <laughs> It's just a big deal when you are a PR person, public relations person. And so to know that she decided to to put that away and do something that was better for her and her family with her small children, that is remarkable. And it should be the one thing that we can, that I would say would encourage us, encourage us to to really look into where we are today and make that change. So many people are doing it during the pandemic. That is one of the things we I've read article after article, story after story, you know, of, of people who write and say on Facebook or whatever, I gave it up. 
I let go of what I had and I decided to go for what I really want, who I really am, my purpose in life. So you may look at that and go, wow, that was crazy for her to give up that kind of money, or that was crazy for her to walk away from the Excel Center, or that was crazy for her to do this and that. But she followed her heart, and she did what she thought was best for her family. And that in itself should be applauded. So if nothing else, applaud that. And if you have small children or older children, you want to know what's happening with this whole thing with the School of Rock, Check it out. It's amazing how well they are doing, how much they are growing. So don't don't look at it and think it's not for me or it's never going to happen for me. Maybe it could. Maybe you just need the inspiration. All right, coming up next is Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. We just believe you on, ought to know about it. And coming up first is our friend Steve Heckler. You know him, the Twin Cities Jazz Festival. We've been interviewing him nearly every year since he started this big event. So you want to stay tuned for that. And that is coming up for our first guest. Do not go anywhere. Stay tuned. We'll be back with our 9 o'clock hour in just a moment. <laughs> 